We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With that, Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? Yes, I am ready for rapid fire. You know what? Today, I came with my own question. I was tired of Ooh. you kicking, okay. kicking all the questions off. It's my turn okay. to lead the charge this week. So question I, I saw, uh, based on what I saw the other day, I, I saw the tweet from Dara Mabry, and I saw that, you know, she tore her ACL, and she's most more than likely, I mean, not more than likely, she is done for the year. So my question for you is how does Dara Mabry's career-ending knee injury impact the women's team going forward? And then I had a, a, another question. I got to remind you, it's Dara. Got to remind you, it's Dara, first of all. Don't, Sorry. you know, like. <laughs> how does Dara Mabry's career-ending knee injury impact the Irish women going forward? And another thing okay. I wanted to add on to it, does this adding the midseason uh, early enrollee seem much bigger now that, that that an injury like this occurred i do because she's obviously going to be gone now and so that in terms of the guards like neil ivy was able to run out a lot of different looks and a lot of different lineups and you know mixing and matching and, and stuff like that i would lean toward the the freshman kk bransford is probably going to be in the starting lineup now now a little bit more athletic not near the three-point shooter that Dara is like Dara had 33 threes I believe it was this season Bransford is one for seven so you're not going to get that but she's quick and athletic you know she'll show up at the defensive end of the floor and you know like Sonia Citron who's one of Dara's best friends actually on the team as well she made 18 three-pointers in the first 17 games of the season she made six the other night and actually hit her first six after Mabry's injury. So I think that she is fully capable of being able to step up and and start shooting with some more volume, like you know, and and you know, just like more see her starting to take more shots. And so, like when you, the one thing I wonder, like when you add a Bransford who is not going to be a three point shooter. With Dara Mabry, just her threat of the three-point shot provided more spacing. The way you had to play defenders, like, you know, they can play off K.K. Bransford a little bit more, like they couldn't play off Dara Mabry. So that's going to change some things, I think. But again, like if Citron can emerge into being a more volume three-point shooter, I think that that helps a lot. And you brought up Kassan Prosper, and 
you know, she's probably going to have to accelerate her development right now because the only other guards besides the two I just mentioned are the backup point guard, Jenna Brown, and of course the point guard, Olivia Miles. So the guard rotation is a lot shorter now and Prosper is a guard, but she's also six foot two and she can shoot the three a little bit. I think the big thing for her, you know, where she can really show up is at the defensive end of the floor. You're just going to get so much more length out there with a six foot two frame and her wingspan is just nuts. So I think that Cass Prosper's development is going to have to accelerate now and we'll see what that looks like. Cause you can still see her kind of feeling her way through some things out there when she's out on the floor, but I think you're going to have, they're going to have to see more of her now. And again, especially from a defensive aspect, that can be a really good thing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, so let me throw you some questions. <laughs> Last night we did offense. Tonight we're going to look at the Notre Dame defense with the idea of buy low and sell high, which Notre Dame defensive player would you buy stock in right now if you wanted that stock to make you the biggest profit a year from now? So you're telling me like what's a pen, what what's 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 a penny stock right now and what's what's what could potentially land you on that Fortune 500 uh next season. I, the sure. way I look at this is like the easy answer to me is someone like Prince Collie, right? Because it's like you, but to me, he's not a penny stock. He's not a guy who's like everyone knows like, about like, him. Where is his stock right now? Yeah, yeah, like like how relative? Like, like yeah, I get what you're saying. So to me, this this came down to to two guys, um, and ultimately, I think both of them are going to end up playing the same position, even though they don't play the same position right now. Um, one is going to be Jordan Patello. Um, I think that he is kind of low stock potential for big boom, high reward going into next season. Um, and another guy who, again, I, I don't think he's going to be playing maybe the same position anymore, but uh, it, I'm going to butcher the last name, Junior. Uh, Tui Tui. <laughs> I, think that, <laughs> I think that he's a guy that 
potentially shifts down to Viper just because of his, and I'm not calling him fat or slow, but he's, he's a little bigger. And I think that Viper could help him be, you don't need to be blazing fast to play Viper. And so right. I think he has a lot of athleticism and side to side agility that would be very beneficial um, at the Viper position. So those are going to be my two guys who, you know, low kind of, and again, I know junior is a high recruit and, you know, those sort of things and got some time this year as a freshman, but those, I, I, I think that the Viper position is going to be that big position next season. And I think that's where you're going to find who's going to be that guy that's kind of under everyone's radar right now and going to pop uh, next season. And those are my two guys, Jordan Patello and junior. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the biggest questions because you've got to play replace two guys on that side, both Foskey, your starter, and your number two guy, Adam Alola. So you've got to have someone step up there. And Jordan Batello was one of the first people I was thinking about as well. And I saw Xavier Watts brought up, and again, like relative, like where is his stock right now? You know, like you know, again, like if you're gonna go one to ten. Like, where is Xavier Watts stock? Because it already took a little bit of a bump because we started to see him play a little bit more at the end of the season. So I, I I would still put him in that mix, though. I think he's a good one because he wasn't a consistent – like, he wasn't in the starting lineup. It, it, it took him the season to develop to get where he is. I think that there's still a ton of upside with him. So I like him as well. And this is the other one that I like a lot that Tommy pointed out, and that's Jalen Sneed. And now – jumping too high, you know, on Sneed already. I know everybody loves Sneed. So, you know, so again, like you could make the argument, is his stock low enough? You know, like you said, in that penny range to where you're going to get full value when it's all said and done, if he comes close to reaching his potential. But if he's able to get over there at Rover and then you're playing, you know, a couple of those other guys inside more and Jalen Sneed, is able to, you know, to give you some, you know, like Nicholas is a potential question, even though you have the Oklahoma State guy coming in, you know, like that's a potential spot for him. We think it's a, a fairly natural spot for him. But Batella would be my one. Jalen Sneed would be my number two. And I do like Xavier Watts. He would be my third one as well. So I, I think that, that, uh, that you know, this spring is going to be really big for Jalen Sneed just in terms of development and seeing how much more he can sort of absorb because there's no doubt that he's got talent. How quickly can he put it together and be a guy who can go out who that they can, they can count on and be uh, you know, go out there and produce on Saturdays next fall. Interesting question here. Notre Dame football is recruiting a guy named Daniel Freitag. He's a wide receiver who also wants to play basketball in college. Now it's not like, like it's it's not necessarily a deal breaker for him, I guess, if he can't play basketball. But he's interested in playing both football and basketball if he can. So, what are your thoughts on letting a player play both of those sports potentially in college if you're recruiting him? You know, I, I don't know the last time I've seen a football and basketball combination. I've you know you predominantly kind of see especially, you know, at Notre Dame, the the football and baseball track, you know, Jeff Samarja, Golden Tate. Um, oh, what was the guy that played outfield for Notre Dame and also wide receiver? Uh, he was a junior. Um, Torrey Hunter. 
Torrey Hunter Jr. Exactly. That's who I was thinking of. Um, it's a lot easier when you can do it because those seasons, one's in the fall and one's in the spring. Um, I, what would make it hard about basketball is, you know, basically when the, the, the school semester starts, even though basketball isn't, you know, maybe having full organized practices, they're still doing, you know, team shoot around scrimmages, you know, whatever it might be. And then you start well, basketball, up. like they start practicing in October and the season starts in November when the football right. season. And that's going. obviously yeah. in the heart of the football season. And so how do you balance those things and get good quality time on both ends? And it's even harder for me because I, I didn't, have, I didn't play basketball, right? Like I never, that was never really an issue for me. I, I was lucky enough, not lucky enough, but I, I, I did it in a way where, you know, I focused all my attention mainly to football in the fall. And then as soon as, you know, that ended, it was baseball through the winter and then obviously into the spring. And so for me, I don't have an issue with it as long as, again, you're getting both quality, you're, you're putting in quality time on both ends and it's not affecting either side of the coin. And I think the best example of this on, on seasons that potentially overlap is when Pat Connington did basketball and played baseball because there obviously yeah. had to be some sort of conflict and it obviously worked out for him because, I mean, the guy got drafted in both leagues. So I think if Pat Connington could get it done, I think it might be a little bit harder for football, basketball, but I definitely think it could still get done. I think football, basketball in college has got to be the toughest because even like with Connington, like you're talking about, basketball ends sometime – in March, unless you go to the national championship game, then it's early April. But, you know, so that's that's like the first month and a half of your baseball season. But he could, like Connaughton, because he was a pitcher and not a hitter, he could still get over, throw a bullpen session once or twice a week, you know, even though he wasn't with the team. And, and you know, like I remember the NCAA tournament ended one year and he bolted straight back to town. And I think he went downtown to what was then Kovaleski, now Four Winds Field, to, to pitch, you know, for Notre Dame in in a in a night game. So I think it's a little bit, you know, you're going to miss some with basketball what makes it so tough is again like you're going to miss especially if you end up in a bowl game or or if you're in the college football play if you're going to miss a good 2 months of the season. And what about your off-season work as well where like the football players are doing conditioning during the summer and it's all team conditioning and stuff like that and well the basketball team is doing stuff as well. So it's there's definitely got to be an openness and a willingness by both head coaches. And a lot of times coaches will say, yeah, sure, we'll let you do it. But then once push starts <laughs> coming to shove, I think guys get, start getting a little bit more territorial. But it's been done before, like Charlie Ward at Florida State. I, I realize this was before your time, but you know, Charlie won a Heisman Trophy on the football field, and then he went to play in the NBA with the New York Knicks after that. Like Tony Gonzalez did both at Cal, and Julius Peppers did both at North Carolina. And those are like the higher profile type guys. But it has been done before, so it's not like it's never been done. It's 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 about the willingness, I think, of, of the coaches and how much they think he can contribute because – you know, again, it's it's going to start not only cutting into your regular season, but it'll cut into your off seasons as well. It, you know, when when you're talking about developing and getting ready for the next season and that kind of thing. So I, I think it's really interesting. It's it's I don't remember, you know, other guy, another guy popping up like this. That was baseball, football. You know, like you said, there have been other 
two sport guys, but it seems like most of them show up in baseball. You know, there's there's a lacrosse guy though as well. So it seems like Marcus Freeman is potentially open to it. So I'll be really curious to see where this goes with Freitag. Yeah, I think it ultimately just boils down to what you were talking about, the willingness of the coaches to be able to work, you know, with each other. And honestly, too, what impact the player has, because if he's a stud on both teams, obviously both teams are going to want him and you're going to be maybe uh, more okay with them missing time here and there because of, you know, the, the impact that you know that they can make once they're, you know, a full-time kind of participant. Yeah. Seeing like Chi-Town said the four horsemen played basketball too, but I realized that under Rockney, who coached almost every sport at Notre Dame at one time. Yeah. And like a hundred years ago, not, you know, it's yeah, around a hundred years ago at this point, you know, things were a little bit, you know, like the seasons, you know, like the college football season even was shorter and the off season workouts were shorter and all that kind of stuff. I, so, you know, times were simpler. <laughs> I don't think it was as hard to make these in. And the fact that you did have Rockney coaching other sports, I think definitely helped as well. It was almost like high school now where it's like, come on, come out for the baseball team, even though you haven't played baseball in five years. It's, you know, it's almost like they're begging guys to come out for sports <laughs> back then. So, all right. So Tony Romo has received a lot of criticism recently. He was beaten up on Twitter this weekend for his call of the Bills Bengals game. Some of the, uh, some of the, Notable tweets. He said, that looks like it might have been moving forward, but it also looks like a fumble. I don't know. People calling him out for that. People calling him out for calling the play clock a shot clock. Some people said he should just be muted. And, you know, of course, Jess Romo made his name by predicting plays when he started off as an analyst, but CBS made him tone it down. So I guess my question is, is he as good now as when he started What's it been like five or six years ago now at this point? Yeah, uh, it has been five or six years ago. You, you know, listen, I I never have an issue listening to a Tony Romo game. And it's not because of what everyone's probably going to say. Oh, he was a Dallas Cowboy <laughs> or, you know, any of those sort of things. And I enjoyed Romo, but I just think he's a pure analyst. I think he knows the game. I think he gets excited about the game. I think he teaches you the game in a way that doesn't make you feel kind of like he's, you know, demeaning you or, or, or talking down to you or, you know, just, uh, but I do think at times there are instances where he's just kind of flaunting. Yes. He, he does know probably a little bit more than what he should talk about in certain situations and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think that it, Tony Romo is just as good now as he, he is, as he was when he first started as a, as a TV analyst, I don't think that he's dropped off at, by any means. And, Again, I, 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 if, if Tony Romo's doing a game, I am never upset. I'm always looking forward to it. I can't say the same about Greg Olson, but uh, <laughs> we'll just have to agree to disagree. Jesse hates disagree. Greg Olson because he thinks Greg Olson hates his Cowboys. And I'll just say, someone you know, like, agreed with me in the chat when I brought it up. So I know I went, they're not even a Cowboys fan. So I okay. know. All right. This was last week. You're not going to find it today, but there. There are times where he was – I thought he did a great job in that 49ers game. I, I will say that. I thought that okay. that was his best Cowboys game of the year. All right. I'll just say the Romo stuff. I saw a lot of this. I got to see about half the game because I you know, did the women's game, the women's basketball game, and then came home, kind of got some dinner ready and you know, settled in to, uh, you know, to watch the Cowboys-Niners game that night. And, you know, so I had it on. But then NFL Network replayed it yesterday. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'll see what everyone's talking about. And it's like, okay, 
He called the play clock the shot clock. It's like the guy watches other said, sports. You know, I feel it's like, like the errors he was making is just like you're just talking to try to kind of fill right a void rather than and like I've heard people say, well, he's not as prepared as he used to be, and it's like, see, you know, he's been out of the game for a few years, so he doesn't know as much as he knew because he's already been out of the game. It's like, and they were talking about him being unprepared and not, you know, not putting in the work and like. I've never I seen that. I don't know how many times I heard him, you know, reference, you know, like where he's talking about different personnel that the two teams, you know, the Bills and the Bengals were using, and he would recall conversations that he, you know, he had just had, you know, with the assistant coaches or studying film and all this kind of stuff. I think it's just like everything else. You know, Romo is not new anymore, so he is not the shiny new toy, so he is just like everybody else. So now it's like you start picking him apart and, you know, you know everything else. I think Romo is just fine. He does still kind of have to figure himself out a little bit more. Like the dynamic in that booth with with Nance is a little bit different. Personally, I loved it when he predicted the plays, and I think he could still predict the plays. And it's like, especially in these playoff games, you know, it's like, oh, you know, watch up here. You know, this is this is going to happen. I think that kind of stuff is great. Maybe it prepares. You know, maybe it 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 annoys some people, but. I had no problem with it. I think it. I think it's one of his assets, and I think they should let him do it more. They shouldn't be stifling him on that. Mm-hmm. All right, we've come to the portion of the show where you know some <laughs> people are waiting for Brent. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> and and of course he wants wants to know if the 49ers defense will shut down Philly's offense. And uh, you know Salty was saying earlier that we were just stalling by uh, not getting. To the point. So let me uh, let me ask you this. Let, let me, you know, I'm going to save this other one. Yeah, I'm going to save this other one. Let's just get in with this. Ross Tucker. <laughs> oh, says man, he, I, I was hoping for the easy one first. The, the night that the, the biggest. You want to go with the other the, one? You want to go with the, the other biggest, one? It's the biggest bright spot of the Cowboys team. Okay, fill in the blank. Micah Parsons. Throwing Mike McGlinchey to the ground like a rag doll during Sunday's playoff game was blank. <laughs> it was textbook. It was exciting. It was just everything that you want to see out of football. Not only did he hip check, you know, McGlinchey and just toss a 315-pound man like it was, you know, breakfast. He he made freaking Kittle whiff before that, uh, and then he tosses – McGlinchey, he gets past two defenders in a span of like two and a half seconds. It felt like, like it, not only does he just chuck McGlinchey, but he just absolutely destroys Kittle. Uh, also an all pro, you know, lineman type guy and just gets to Brock Purdy after what seemed to be instantaneously. So I loved it. Mark Parsons is my favorite player. I could watch his film almost 24 seven. Like there's, that's probably Brian my Baltimore favorite loves thing. him. I'll tell you that. Baldy loves that's, him. That's what I was going to say. You know, I, the, and he says it every, every, because I, I look forward to Baldinger's videos on Monday just because I know there's going to be a Micah Parsons one. And I just don't, there's no one in the league like Micah Parsons. I know there's guys that have more sacks than him, but the skill set that Micah Parsons has and the way he disrupt plays without getting sacks, I just, I don't think that there's anyone better in the business right now. And he, 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 it's as a guy who played defense and you know someone who enjoys watching defense it's just it is so fun being able to watch him you know i realize you know like i don't watch current 
pro wrestling, so I don't know like any of the names of these current guys. I, I couldn't tell you who's big, who's small, and all this. But like Parsons throwing Mike McGlinchey like he did, literally, like Mike McGlinchey was parallel to the ground. <laughs> it's because Micah Parsons had him up. And again, he threw him like it was, it would be like if one of the British Bulldogs body slammed Hulk Hogan back in the day it's like you're talking about eh, versus eh, you know there's there's a big difference and it was just it was amazing and I know like of course everyone later on wanted to talk about how you know McGlinchey and Aaron Banks with the big inside double team on McCaffrey's touchdown and all that kind of stuff but how are you gonna do when you've got a pass protect and you've got a man like that coming at you that was I never would have thought that I would see Mike McGlinchey end up in that kind of situation it was but, just so smooth like all one motion one like motion just, just it was amazing it, it i i see micah parsons talking about wrestling all the time he had to be a wrestler in his day that's where he had to learn that move because i mean he just chucked him like it was like literally it was in stride it didn't look like he broke stride one bit yeah that's exactly right uh, the world famous Scotty Nitro says back in the day, Jerry Faust era, he believes Joe Howard played receiver for football point guard for the basketball team. All right. Point to you, Scotty Nitro. Thanks for, uh, for dropping that knowledge in there. All right. So now the big one, <laughs> we don't <laughs> See where we go with this. this Ross Tucker says he would fire Mike McCarthy and make defensive coordinator Dan Quinn the head coach rather than let Quinn leave to be a head coach somewhere else. So if the Cowboys are going to be fixed, what do you do to fix him? Is this the answer? Is it something else? Where does it need to go? I'll just go over here and smoke a cigarette <laughs> while you've been for a while. You know, first and foremost, I just want to say I, I appreciated – the game on Sunday. I thought it was the best game of Sunday. I didn't come down to how I wanted it to end, obviously. And I, Dak made a lot of mistakes that ultimately could have potentially won them the game if he hit some plays here and there. But, you know, the Cowboys played a better team, a better roster, a better defense. You know, a lot of quarterbacks have struggled against this San Francisco defense. There's a reason why they average, you know, they only give up 15 points per game on this 11 game winning streak. It's hard. They have a great roster. Um, and I'm not trying to take away from Dak because he made mistakes. I think that ultimately getting to the question now, Dan <laughs> Quinn is the most important piece of this puzzle. Cause I think the Cowboys covered a lot of their deficiencies this year by having a very good defense. And then towards the back half of the season, they lost both of their starting corners they lost a defensive tackle. They lost the middle linebacker. They got some of those guys back, but they were still pretty banged up in the secondary. So for me, I think, and when you have Micah Parsons, I think Dan Quinn builds a defense that only allows Micah Parsons to excel and let him be the star of the defenses, which is how it should be because Mark, Micah Parsons is a top five defensive player in, the, in all of the NFL. So the most important piece to me is keeping Dan Quinn. I don't care if he's the head coach. I don't care if he's the defensive coordinator. He just needs to be on the staff and be compensated. I mean, uh, fairly. They found for, a way to keep him last year. They kept him from becoming a head coach last year. I don't know if you can do it two years in a row. I will say this: being a good coordinator does not necessarily make you a good head coach. Correct. And 
you know, you can say that Dan Quinn was a good head coach in Atlanta because he had Matt Pro, uh, Matt Ryan before, you know, and Julio Matt Ryan, Jones. Ryan, you know, before it went backwards. Yeah, he had Julio Jones, but he also had the guy who's calling the shots now in San Francisco. And, you know, that was a big part of it as well. And after he left, you saw a backstep every year until eventually he was fired as head coach. And even as a defensive-minded head coach, the Atlanta Falcons defense was not good his last couple of years, like really not good. So just keeping him around does not guarantee that the defense is going to be good. You need him as defensive coordinator. If you don't have him, you need somebody else. Personally, I would say this. I don't put it all on Dak. This was his worst year in terms of interceptions, but he also had a pretty good amount of touchdowns for missing four games during the season. I think it's time for uh, like to turn the page offensively. Kellen Moore was forced down Mike McCarthy's throat. He had to keep uh, McCarthy. He was the only coach who was kept on from Jason Garrett's staff. I think it's time to turn the page. You 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 don't have a Kyle Shanahan over there who has like a system. There are plays, but there is not a system. What do you hang your hat on? Doug Nussmeyer, the quarterback's coach, his contract is up. You know, maybe that's part of the answer as well. I think that they need something different offensively if you're going to maximize Dak because they're not going to get rid of Dak Prescott. You're going to keep him around. I think that that is uh, is what they have to do. Uh, all right, all right, all right, Michael, bro. Leave if you don't want to hear the talk. It's We're at the end of rapid fire. No one's forcing you to stay here. So, <laughs> I think that the biggest fix, of, again, is what you were talking about. It'd be nice to see maybe some, some new offensive personnel. And specifically, I thought that you know the front office did DACA injustice this season by not getting a solid wide receiver, too. You know, Micah Gallup was coming off an ACL surgery. Um, and I don't think they had a legit wide receiver too all year. So that put a lot of pressure on Lamb and Dak. And then when you lose a guy like Pollard in the first half, who's your, you know, your other offensive playmaker um, on offense, it's going to be tough. And so what, what can Kellen Moore do to scheme up plays that, you know, potentially can get over the deficit of not having a solid wide receiver too, and then now losing a guy like Pollard. So I felt that there were some injustices on that half of they need to get a legit wide receiver too. They need to make Tony Pollard the premier back. They need to restructure Zeke's contract. I, I don't care about all that stuff. Like my, and I get what you're saying. There are things that they need, but you know, like Zeke Elliott, are you going to keep him around at over 10 million bucks a year? He's, you know, he says he's willing to maybe take a pay cut. There, there is enough that you know. Do they need more? Yeah, they need more. But there is enough there. You have they have to figure out after year seven how to maximize Dak Prescott because he's making mistakes that a seven-year veteran should not be making for a team with with Super Bowl yeah. aspirations. And that's why I say you've got to change the coaching. You've got to change something on the offensive side. You're not just going to wave a magic wand and make Dak Prescott better so like everyone can talk about oh Dak Prescott's not the guy and you know all this different stuff you've got to figure out how to maximize him and that's why I think it's time to turn the page and, and yeah and I think that's why adding another staff. solid wide receiver around him would help because then you're not asking him to be that guy he's not a Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or that type of quarterback Dak's a solid quarterback but he's not a top five top four top two you know quarterback that that could potentially take over and win you that game so 
putting more around him, I think, is definitely an option. And then, you know, in terms of there's uh, they're going to have a lot of free agents. And I think they need to pick and choose wisely which guys that they bring back because there's certain guys that are impactful and there's certain guys that you could live to walk with. Like Donovan Wilson. Like T.Y. Hilton at a bargain price for another year. I would love that. Thank you, Derek, by the way, for the super chat (laughs) for the response. And, uh, you know, Brent. Cowboys actually shut down CMC and Debo. That's what I mean. It was a great game. Won the game. It was. It was a great game. I was thinking it was a great game, but it's like once they got to about that seven-minute mark and you start doing the math, you're a math guy. You had to know how that was going to play out. You know, you know I, I was talking to uh, my girlfriend about this last night, and I know she doesn't ultimately care, but I was just kind of venting a little bit. I, saw, I could tell in Dak's eyes – on the sideline that he just wasn't there. He was, he was flustered. And I've seen the look in his eyes before where he wants it and he knows that he's going to go get it and he's going to lead his team. I just didn't see that look in his eyes and I was afraid, but I didn't want, I didn't, I I was just like, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, things are going to turn a different way, but he just never looked like he had that, that fire, you know, in his eyes. i never felt like he, he had that, that drive to take it over. Like I've seen him in the past where he's in the huddle, you know, getting on everyone, giving everyone fist pumps all around the Like, I don't know. I just didn't see it in his eyes. They just, they flustered him all night. And you could tell there's different schemes that they were running, you know, on, on defense, they were disguising, they were confusing him. You know, someone brought up that T Y Hilton touchdown and it's like, yeah, it's easy to say now, but on film when a guy breaks open, but that's, they baited him into the throw. That's where they wanted him to throw that ball. Well, Michael says, if you're saying that now there's way more talent, but he's not hitting open playmakers, I don't think that that's what anyone said. I'm not saying there's way more talent. They obviously got rid of Amari Cooper last offseason because of money. But like I sent, you know, like Dan Orlovsky was doing a breakdown yesterday and there was a, you know, like Dak loves that that deep middle or, you know, not just deep middle, but middle of the field. That's where he's had most of his problems. And like there was a specific play where – you know, he takes the deep shot to C.D. Lamb down the middle of the field. If he would have just looked to his left, he would have had probably a touchdown, if not at least a 35, 40-yard gain to a wide-open T.Y. Hilton who had great position, but he just never looked in that direction. And that's, you know, kind of like with with um, Drew Pine this year. It's like there's more to the field than just that one guy. You've got to see the whole field and actually go through your – progressions and uh, hey thanks michael i'm a big drew pearson fan too myself every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Again, it's like, it's it's not all on Dak Prescott, but I think that the way the team is constructed, they're never going to go out in a big free agent frenzy. You know, like I would love if they drafted Michael Mayer. <laughs> Like that would fix a lot of things, I think, next year because they're not going to pay Dalton Schultz, I don't think, to stick around. So I would love they Michael shouldn't. Mayer to end up down there. That would be perfect. And Jules was asking about a slot receiver. Their system, you know, again, like the current system they're in, 
they don't use the slot receiver enough. Like they had Cole Beasley and he was, you know, Cole Beasley went to Buffalo and became much more of a factor in that Buffalo offense than he was when he was in Dallas. So uh, Craig, my weekend was made seeing Buffalo lose another year. No Super Bowl. Go Dolphins still undefeated. And again, we were talking about this at the start of the show. The real story coming out of this weekend is the Buffalo Bills for the last couple of years have been a preseason Super Bowl favorite. And Josh Allen has not gotten out of this divisional round of the playoffs the last two years. That's to me a much bigger story. Yeah, like than Dak and Dallas losing a very competitive game. Like they were much more competitive against the 49ers than the Bills were against Cincinnati on their home, home field. As yes. the as the favorite. And that's that's the crazy part. Ask anyone in listening right now or in the chat who's a better quarterback, Josh Allen or Dak Prescott? Everyone will say Josh Allen. So why isn't Josh Allen getting the same criticism that Dak Prescott is getting for playing probably in my opinion, just as worse um, of a game. So, and then another aspect uh, that is kind of crazy, in my opinion, is, you know, the <laughs> the Buffalo Bills the same round as the Dallas Cowboys. So it, it's just kind of all, to me, um, hypocritical because, the the Bills have a better quarterback. They went out in the offseason and made moves to be a team that wanted to make it to the next step and go to the Super Bowl, yet they lost worse on their home field than the Cowboys did. But, yeah. you know, that's – Like Brent, Brent says CD played the slot. Unless he played all year. He's a slot – he's basically a slot receiver. That's where he's the best. Right. Coming out and of the slot. And what I meant is like that, that pure slot type guy where you can move CD to the outside. I guess that's kind of what I'm talking about. Michael Campbell is being a guy that I, I just had to deal with all the week. So <laughs> well, you know, and again, I'm not making excuses for Dak. Dak is the thing that's got to get fixed if they if they want. I was be talking at the one at the bottom too. <laughs> oh, Lost to Mister Irrelevant. Yeah, but the, the, the 49ers have the best roster and the best probably you know overall one of the best overall coaches. You know, anyone that steps in and plays quarterback in that system is going to be good. And defense. Let's not right. forget. And the they defense. have the best def- they have the best overall roster. You know. So it didn't it didn't come down to was Dak better than Brock. Brock just had to do enough with the game plan that was given to him. And so yeah. I don't think that that's an apples to apples comparison. And that's another point that I've been trying to dispute this week. I have right. excuse me. I have the worst friends. I have the worst group chats that I'm in because <laughs> it, there's nothing better than everyone pooping on a Cowboys fan parade after a loss. Okay, last question tonight. Was Dalton Schultz's play on the Cowboys' last drive when he didn't get the foot down worse than Dak's scramble at the end of last year's loss to the 49ers? Yeah, I, I do think so because all, I think both plays were worse. The fact that he didn't – No, you got to tell – one's got to be worse than the other. No, I'm talking Two about- cannot be worse. One, one, by definition, has to be worse than the other or, or they're equal. I'm saying that that uh, that both of Dalton's plays, back to back plays. Oh, I got you. I got the you. The one where he didn't. Get Look, you and I, you and I have no love for corner. Dalton Schultz. No love for Dalton Schultz. So again, bring me Michael Mayer, baby. I'm just like I'm gonna rub my sticks together for the next three months. <laughs> bring me Michael Mayer to Dallas. Get Dalton Schultz. I see Schultz some mocks where he's uh, been down there. But yeah, I mean, it's it's Dalton Schultz. One needs to know 
dude, you got all that space. Get both feet in. And two, he knows he needs to get forward progression going out of bounds. Those are two just like come on plays. And your boy Greg back. Olson, who played tight end, is like, you got to muscle up a little bit. You know, That's you gotta I mean. you gotta get yourself going That's forward. That's the reason you know why you've got to be going forward. That's yeah. the reason why Schultz is worth this. He's not physical. He just wants to go out there and catch passes. He doesn't do anything in the run game. Right. He doesn't do anything to lower his shoulder. He just wants to be a pretty boy and line up and catch passes all day. That's exactly it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I'd forgotten about the one where you know he didn't get going forward and get out of bounds. But it, yeah, that's two plays on the final drive that just kill you. They absolutely, you know, and then people want to bag on him for that last play with Zeke snapping the ball and stuff like that. It's like it's gonna be Did a you really think play. it was gonna be a play that was gonna score? Like, come on, right, right. Dalton show like get your foot down. How 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 hard is that? Because he was like, what, at least three or four yards from the sideline. You got to get that foot. You got you got to drag that foot. You got to get going forward. Both of them, just inexcusable. And again, Dak has his share of the blame, and it is completely earned. And I said this last night when you weren't here, but you know, I, I disparaged Dak to you, you know, in some texts, and I didn't hear from you afterwards on Sunday. I'm, you know, I, I'm at my limit with Dak. And the point is, he's got a big contract. You're paying him all that money. He ain't going nowhere. They're not just going to get rid of Dak. So if you're not going to get rid of Dak, you've got to do something that makes him better. And it starts, quarterback coach is a simple solution, but offensive coordinator, a system, an actual system, Shanahan has a system, you know, like I'd like the the Eagles have a system. I would like to see a system. That's what I would go with if you're gonna make Dak Prescott better. Dak is not tradable. He doesn't have uh, the, the their best option is to actually kind of restructure his contract, sort of like what a Patrick Mahomes contract. Yeah, no one's gonna take on that money. That's <laughs> and you're not salary. cutting them. You know, the Cowboys and are that's part of the Cowboys problem is the salary gap you know, because of what they paid him and overpaying Zeke Elliott. I really want Zeke gone more than anybody, but I don't even know if that'll happen. I don't know. Jesse, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up on that. I promised that we would get all of the Cowboys grousing out of the way tonight. There's no more Cowboys so, till next season. This is it. Right. This is the purge. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, try to mix some other teams in there when we talk about it as well by point of comparison, but Never going to please everybody. Congratulations to all 49ers fans. You have an excellent team. It was a fun game to watch. Unfortunately, yeah. my team just didn't win in the end. Yeah. My Super Bowl pick is still intact. I've got the Niners and Bengals. They're both still playing this weekend. And, you know, should be, you know, hopefully a couple of great games. I don't know. We'll talk more about them on Friday when we do our Friday rapid fire going into the weekend. Jesse, great stuff as always. Everyone else, appreciate you being here tonight. Appreciate your thoughts for Henry, who's still chilling on that couch back there He's behind sleepy. Jesse and has not been yapping tonight. Hit the like button if you would on your way out. We've got the mailbag show coming up tomorrow. Vince and I will be here for that. So we will talk to you then on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.